Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. That's crazy. On a Tuesday! It's all even with your boy, Barry Grant. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Even Podcast. You can listen to the show on Podbeam as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you find your favorite podcast, I'm everywhere. And trust me, go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, like, share, and comment because the page is growing, baby. That all even wave. Get on that wave. I'm tired of telling y'all. Lots to get into. NBA playoffs, of course. The Nets have a big decision to make. The Phoenix Suns are on vacation, but in a positive way. My Twilight Zone nightmare continues. What the hell happened with the Sixers? And then the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. So let's just jump right into it. Sometimes in life, we expect a lot more out of people than they can give us. Sometimes, you know, you see teachers, oh, you have to, all of this potential and blah, blah, and you know, sometimes people are giving you all they have. People are giving you maximum effort, and sometimes their maximum effort is just not enough. And we got to accept that. We have to accept that, not be overbearing, not be too hypercritical, and just move on. I bring that up because that's how I feel about Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant is one of the greatest pure scorers in NBA history. In the history of this game, he's definitely up there in regards to pure scoring talent. But is there more to his game? Is he a leader? Can he literally single-handedly pull a team behind him and carry them through a series? No, that's not who he is. Kevin Durant has always been, how I define it, icing on the cake. You need the icing on the cake to complete it. It makes the cake look really, really nice. Tastes great. So it's definitely something that people love. But are you expecting the icing to be the cake? No, you don't. It's the ingredients inside of that cake that's going to bring all the flavors out, right? That's what Kevin Durant is. I remember vividly that year in Oklahoma City when Russell Westbrook goes down with an injury and the Memphis Grizzlies 
dominated the rest of that series. Because Kevin Durant was there left holding the bag. It was him by himself. He had to galvanize the troops, and he failed. Now, granted, he's a young guy. He can be able to learn and grow and be better for those situations down the road. Did it happen? No, it didn't. They ended up falling short. It kept falling short in Oklahoma City to the point where he said, okay, it's time for me to leave, and I'm going to Golden State. Two championships later, obviously, he's the finals MVP of both. Everything's great. He leaves and goes to Brooklyn. And the deck is stacked once again. So the deck was stacked in Golden State. Now the deck is stacked in Brooklyn. But newsflash, the best ability is availability. I've been saying it all year. Kyrie Irving, is he going to be there to help you? James Harden, is he going to physically be there to help you or even mentally there to help you? Because at times in the playoffs, whether he's there at 100%, he's not there because he tends to not show up. His game just doesn't translate to carrying a team in the playoffs. So now Kevin Durant is here expecting all of this added help to get another championship. And we're at the precipice of game five. Kyrie Irving is going to be out. They're saying for possibly the rest of the series. James Harden has been out since one minute into game one. And I'm hearing now that he's going to try to play. Oh, that's so great for Kevin Durant, isn't it? So he doesn't have to shoulder the load by himself. But let's just say that James Harden doesn't play. Let's say that it is him by himself tonight going against the Milwaukee Bucks. This is what a lot of people are calling a defining moment for Kevin Durant's legacy. If he goes out there and drops 50, puts Brooklyn on his back, gives him a 3-2 lead without the other guys, this is going to stamp his legacy as one of the iconic, great, superstar players in our league, in the history of our league. I don't see it that way. I really don't. I would see it that way if he was playing a team like the Los Angeles Lakers at full strength in the finals. I would see it if he was playing Philadelphia with all of their guys. I can see it if he was playing a team like that, and he had a Michael Jordan against Boston type of performance early in his career where he dropped the, the, the 60 in the playoffs. Milwaukee is not those teams. Milwaukee's good. They got good defense. They're, uh, I guess, well-coached. But the problem is that they're not a world-beater. This team can be beat. We saw that in the first two games. We saw how inept Giannis can look at times in regards to his basketball IQ. We saw how the scoring punch between Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton can be off. We've seen how Brooke Lopez cannot have an impact in this game. We've seen all of these things. So is this a world-beating team? No. Can Kevin Durant be able to have a good game with the shooters tonight? And get a win? Absolutely. I'm not looking at this as a legacy-defining moment. This is not the Eastern Conference Finals. This is not the NBA Finals. This is a team 
that is banged up going against a team that's pretty good. They're okay. But come on now. Then what's funny is that in the same breath, we have those people saying this, and then we have some other people saying another thing. There was this article in Complex today written by Adam Caparell saying that expecting Kevin Durant to be like MJ, Kobe, or LeBron isn't fair. Now we're talking about fair. So in one breath, people want to say, oh, he's, he's going to be up there in the pantheon of greats if he ends up saving the Nets in this series. But in the other breath, you have people kind of preparing for what may be the end result of this series. That they end up losing with all of this talent here, hurt or not. And now we're going to say it's not fair for Kevin Durant. Well, newsflash. He was never in MJ's category, in my opinion. He was never in Kobe's category, in my opinion. And he was never in LeBron's category, in my opinion. Because all three of those guys were the cake. The team was the icing. That's the whole issue here. Those particular Hall of Fame greats carried their franchises on their backs. Those particular greats did spectacular things in the playoffs that we've never seen before in those times. I don't remember Kevin Durant having a game like that. And I'm not saying that he's not great. Like, this is why, you know, we got to be able to put some things out here because I'll say this. and Oh, you're hating. I'm not hating on Durant. He's great. But he's not that level great. He's not. He's not Larry Bird great. But he's damn good. Damn good. So what do I expect out of the Nets tonight? I expect the Nets to put up a good fight. But I expect the Nets to lose. I expect the Nets to lose. They're going to be down 3-2. And I think that's where doubt is going to start to creep into this team. Maybe for the first time all playoffs. Is that maybe they're just not healthy enough. Maybe they're just not deep enough to win. I've called this since day one. Since the season started. I said that Milwaukee is my dark horse team to get to the NBA Finals. I had Lakers and Bucks. Obviously, my Lakers side of it got screwed up. But the Bucks have always been my team in the East. It didn't matter if the Brooklyn Nets went on a 16-game winning streak and everybody was talking about James Harden being the MVP and he's an MVP candidate and they're so great. The offense is unstoppable. I said, just wait. It didn't matter to me when I saw that Kevin Durant was putting up all of these monster numbers, 30 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. I said, just wait. It didn't matter to me when I saw that Kyrie Irving put up 27 points a game, 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90 from the line, historical season. All I said was, just wait. Because I have watched basketball a long time, and it has nothing to do with talent sometimes. It has to do with chemistry. It has to do with matchups. It has to do with coaching adjustments. 
And Steve Nash is a rookie. As great as he was as a point guard leading his team, he is a rookie in this game. And as bad as Coach Bud has been over the years in regards to these playoff situations, he's actually coaching way better than Steve Nash is right now. That sometimes is the difference in a series. We saw in last round between the Mavericks and the Clippers where we saw Rick Carlisle make some horrible, questionable decisions in that series that ended up losing them that series. That's the problem here is that Steve Nash is good, but the guys on that coaching staff are either very inexperienced or they've never been here before or they have guys on that coaching staff that are very stubborn and stuck in their ways. Guys like Mike D'Antoni. Guys that have never been to an NBA final like Mike D'Antoni. So if you're taking all of your advice from a coach that does not make adjustments, where's the adjustments coming from? I wonder. So the Nets have a lot of issues going on here. Talent-wise, they're a great team. Health is their issue with a lot of teams in the league. Can they get it done tonight? Can they hold serve at home in Brooklyn where they had two phenomenal games? Can they repeat that? Can they get that energy? Can they get Kevin Durant to have this out-of-body experience and put up the game of his life? Can we expect that? Like I said in the opening, sometimes we ask people for things that they can't give us. And we have to accept them for exactly what they are. Coming up after the break, Chris Paul. Is he moving up the point guard list? An NBA playoffs recap and preview. On a Tuesday night. It's all leaving. Yo, it's your man DJ G Money for that Flip the Script podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we in the studio right now. Flip shut up. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, listen. Shout out to the All Even Podcast, my oh, man Barry oh, Grant Jr. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's up, whoa, man? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened? What you, you, you want to say to the people? Shout out to my young podcast. Yeah, don't make it to join. What's up? All Even. All Even Podcast. Yo, it ain't even up here, boy. <laughs> we put this on something. All Even. Yo, you. Oh, my God. What's up with you, man? Now, you got well, that's a shout out. You keeping this? Yeah, keep all that. <laughs> you want your podcast, right? Yeah, all even. All even podcast, right? All even. That's your man. My man. All right, shout out to all even podcast. Cool. Is he cool? Let me see. Is he cool? Welcome back, y'all. Chris Paul has done. Chris Paul has did the impossible. He's taken a team that was barely even a conversation piece last season, and he's turned them into the best story in all of basketball right now. The Phoenix Suns finished number two in the West. Chris Paul was a MVP candidate. Monty Williams was a runner-up for Coach of the Year. They beat the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round, the defending champions. They swept the Denver Nuggets in the second round, and now they're on vacation. Now they're cooling out. They're on a good vacation. But we're starting to talk about Chris Paul now 
and where he falls historically because of this run and the totality of his career. He's been to this point before in the Western Conference Finals where they were that close in almost beating the mighty giant Golden State Warriors. Tore up his hamstring and the dream was dead after that. Now he gets another chance. Not at Golden State. Possibly at the Clippers, his old team. Or Utah. Another team that hasn't been there. Just like the Phoenix Suns. So there's a lot of uncharted waters that are going to be explored here in regards to Chris Paul. But where does he fall historically is the question. Is he better than John Stockton? In my opinion, no. Is he better than Jason Kidd? No. Is he better than Isaiah Thomas? No. Is he better than Steph Curry? No. Is he better than Steve Nash? Yes, I I would say that he's better than Steve Nash. Is he better than Magic Johnson? No. So, whether he wins a championship or not, in my opinion, Chris Paul doesn't really improve his standing in regards to historic ranks. Is that a knock on Chris Paul? It's not. There's been a lot of great point guards in the NBA, in NBA history. So, for him to not be able to move up, it's not really a knock on him. It's just how great those other guys are. It's fine. But does this make Chris Paul's career complete if he's able to win an NBA championship? Absolutely. It's a huge achievement to be able to win a championship, not with the New Orleans Hornets that you were with, not with Lob City that you ended up being with, not with the Houston Rockets with James Harden, not with the Oklahoma City Thunder with that young team that you took to the playoffs just like this one. It would be very fulfilling to win a title for a city that's never ever had one, that's never had the experience of feeling what a champion feels like, and can only say that they've been to two NBA Finals before this. So it's a huge achievement for Chris Paul. If he can be able to stay healthy and lead this team to a Finals, Man, what a story. It'll be the best story that we've probably witnessed within the last decade. The last good story I can honestly say was when LeBron and Kyrie Irving took down the Golden State Warriors, that 73-9 team. That was a beautiful story to tell. Couldn't write that. This is kind of like the same thing. Old point guard goes to this young, vibrant team that believes that They have something special brewing. He goes there and he tells them that they're winners, that they're going to win, that he expects nothing less, and they deliver. They deliver to the point where they're on the cusp, they're on the precipice of getting to an NBA Finals. That in itself is extraordinary. And Chris Paul is going to be a Hall of Famer, first ballot, Championship is going to be great on his finger if he gets it. Great. But historically, it doesn't move him up much. It really doesn't. 
We really have to stop being creatures of the moment. It's always a thing. Some guy has a great performance. Oh, man, he's, he's so great. He's, he's knocking on this guy's door. Like, no. No. Chris Paul is great. What he's doing is tremendous. The city of Phoenix, the state of Arizona is very proud of this team. They're excited. That crowd is raucous. It's great. It's a great time. Let's just leave it there. Let's not try to have him elevate over somebody else in this. Let's be real. It's not better than Zeke. It's not better than Magic. It's not better than Stockton. It's not better than Jason Kidd. So those are all some of the greatest point guards we've ever seen in this game. That does not mean that Chris Paul isn't great. He's just not them. Moving on, moving on. Let's talk about game four between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta wins this game 103 to 100. Joel Embiid has a terrible offensive game. Four for 20 from the field, 17 points, 21 rebounds. Ben Simmons, 11 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists. For the Hawks, Trey Young, he has a bad game as well, eight for 26. But he scores 25 points and dishes out 18 dimes. So he did his job in regards to being a point guard, facilitating for his team, rallying the troops as they were down big in this game. I had no idea. I don't understand how they came back. But here's the conundrum that we're in now. Is that we believe that Philadelphia is a better team. Atlanta doesn't believe that, though. Because we heard... Capella saying that, hey, listen, you know, we got their number now. We know exactly how to beat them. And all of that is cool. But can we really expect Joel Embiid to have another four for 20 performance? Let's be real. Let's keep it on it. No. So the fact that they won this game by three and Joel Embiid had the worst playoff game of his career to date. You won by three points. This is not a series that anybody should be worried about. I personally am not worried about it. But what if Philadelphia does lose? What if they end up losing this series? It will then really complete the NBA playoffs Twilight Zone version for me. The Hawks in the conference finals. (laughs) Can't make this up. You really can't. But moving on. Moving on to the series that has my head hurting really, really bad. The Clippers and the Jazz. The Clippers spot the Jazz two games again, just like I spotted Dallas two games. And you would believe in either one of those series, you would say, well, Dallas can get one. Utah can get one. They don't get any. So now it's 2-2 going back to Utah. Spider Mitchell is banged up, but he had a good game, 37 points. But what do we see in that game? What trend did we see in that game that really makes me second-guess Utah? Well, I will tell you, outside of Spider Mitchell's 9-for-26 shooting, You had Joe Ingles, who had a good game, 7 for 9 from the field. But Joe Ingles 
defensively, he's not going to stay with anybody much. Royce O'Neal had a terrible game in regards to his plus minus. He couldn't stop anybody defensively. And if he can't stop anybody defensively, then he has no business being on the floor because he can't score. Jordan Clarkson, who's been horrendous in this series, he shot, what, 3 for 12, 8 points. So you're seeing a trend here that these guys have to step up and be better. They didn't get much from the bench. Bogdanovich had a great game, 18 points on 50% shooting, so it wasn't him. Who can I be able to pinpoint to say that they're not getting their money's worth out of this particular player? I don't know. Could it be Rudy Gobert? Well, let's look at his stat line, shall we? Rudy Gobert in 32 minutes, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 5 fouls. What was his plus minus? Plus minus was a negative 1. Not terrible, right, in regards to plus minus. But you're paying him that much money for him to have that little impact on your basketball game. And it's not like he had four or five blocks. No, one block. That's game four, right? Can we go back and look at what he did in game three? Interesting. Rudy Gobert, 30 minutes. 12 points, 10 rebounds. He had a plus-minus of minus 16. How many blocks? Would you say four or five from the defensive player of the year? No. One. So in the last two games, you've seen exactly the impact that a Rudy Gobert with his limited offensive ability can be able to have in a series. If he was any adequate offensive player that they could be able to dump the ball to and get a basket this series would possibly be over. But no, Spider Mitchell has to now carry this seven-foot defensive player of the year weight across the finish line. Everybody praises him. Oh, Rudy Gobert is such a great defender. Yeah. Where's that getting them? Where's it getting them? Spider Mitchell is literally giving his all physically in this series. And it looks like it's not going to be enough. Because if you got Rudy Gobert putting up these pedestrian stats in the playoffs against a physical Clippers team, against an athletic Clippers team, against a Clippers team that could be able to pick and roll you to death and hit mid-range jump shots and put you in foul trouble, what is he doing? Where's his effectiveness? This is why I'm always going to be on the opposite side of things to when you got a guy that's great defensively like this, but he's not great offensively, you don't give him a super max contract. You don't give him the bag because his game is not balanced. He doesn't have the offensive firepower to live up to that contract. See a guy like Draymond Green, great defender, Hall of Fame defender. He's making like, what, $20 million for Golden State? If Rudy Gobert was making $20 million for the Utah Jazz, you'd never hear me kill Rudy Gobert. But the fact that he's making north of $20 million into the 30s, now you got a big problem. How are you going to be able to move that? How are you going to be able to even find a happy medium here? 
They need more out of Rudy Gobert. He can't give it to them because he's not capable of giving it to them. So everybody else has to be on their P's and Q's. So when a Jordan Clarkson struggles, when a Joe Ingles possibly struggles, when a Royce O'Neal is not giving you things, when all the other guys on the bench are not producing, you'll get blown out. And in these two games, the Clippers have owned Utah. Because everybody else has to carry the weight. That's a big problem for this team. Do I still feel confident that Utah is going to win this series? No, I don't. No, I don't. I've had a headache since Sunday. Because I I have this dark feeling, this twilight zone feeling that the Clippers are actually going to advance. I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Because if anybody can't realize how to stop this team that's been living in the basement for years, I don't understand it. I really don't. You get the ball out of Kawhi's hands and you allow everybody else to beat you. That's how you stop them. But the defense that they're playing, switching on pick and rolls and all this nonsense, it's not helping Quinn Snyder do better. So let's see what we get out of this team tomorrow. Let's see what happens when Utah goes back home. This may just be one of those home series where no team wins a road game. So if that's the situation, then Utah wins in seven. But I just don't, I don't have any confidence because Rudy Gobert. Moving on, game five is underway between the Bucks and the Nets. Bucks are up early right now, 14 to five. It is a beating. It's getting out of hand. Chris Middleton has five. Giannis has four. And Drew Holiday has come to play. Eight points out of the gate. So if Drew Holiday ends up having a great game, no Kyrie, a banged up James Harden, 17 to 6 right now. Kevin Durant has four points. James Harden, six minutes, no points. So, you know, there he's playing, but is he moving gingerly? I don't really see that much. Um, but I want to see how if he can be able to hold up. So are they going to have enough to win this game in regards to Brooklyn? I, I just don't think so. I, I don't I don't think that there's anything left in the tank for this team. I just, I, I just don't. I've called it from day one, Milwaukee in six. I am not backing off my prediction because I've seen it all year. I've seen this happen all year. I had a feeling that this would happen to this team. All year. Moving forward, the All-NBA teams have been released. And it's a very, very interesting list. I would love to break this down a little bit, honestly. So let's see who's on the first team. We have Nikola Jokic, the MVP. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, and Kawhi Leonard. I have no issues with that. That's fine. Solid five. Second team, Chris Paul, Dame Lillard, Joel Embiid, my MVP. Julius Randle and LeBron James. That is a that's a shock to me. I didn't think that they would put Julius Randle on the All-NBA second team, which means that Nick fans, 
If you want to keep Julius Randle, you're going to have to give him the bag. And is he worth that particular amount of money? I've talked about this at nauseum. Be careful investing big dollars into a guy that should be a third scorer on your team. That's all I'm saying. NBA third team, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George. Wow. So Jimmy Butler makes it over Jason Tatum, who had a phenomenal season, who carried this Boston Celtics team. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. And now Jason Tatum doesn't get that $32 million uh, incentive in his contract, which sucks. Because he deserved it. The guy had a great season. Not saying that Jimmy didn't have one, but he didn't have a better season than than Jason Tatum. He really didn't. And this is the dicey situation when you dangle money, big time money, in regards to how many awards you win or where you finish and stuff like that. Because a guy like Jason Tatum, who deserves a Supermax contract from his organization, They are not eligible to give him that. They can't do it based on the CBA rules. So I'm sure that these CBA rules will be able to change going forward. You know what I would love to see in basketball? To kind of like even out the playing field that it's not so player dominant. Where the ownership or the management can have a little bit more leverage. Is arbitration. Let arbitration dictate who gets a super maximum, who doesn't. Let an arbiter come in there and say, no, this player had a great season. His numbers are comparable. He had historic numbers in your franchise's history. He deserves a super max based on his analytics and how his team performed and how he carried you and all that stuff. I would be fine with that rather than basing off of, oh, well, you made a first team all NBA. You made this. You made No, no, no. Arbitration. After the year, a team can be able to say, I don't think that he's eligible for a Supermax, and here's why. The player will say, I think I'm eligible for a Supermax, and here's why. And then the arbiter comes in and says, eh, you know, I believe the team, or I'll stick with the player. And then we move on. That, to me, is, is a good way to do it. I like that. Some tension in negotiations. Somebody wins, somebody loses. That's just the way I like it. No hard feelings. It's just business. And if you, as the organization, and I'm the player, and you don't feel that I'm worth the Supermax, then, hey, maybe I need to go somewhere else. Players do it anyway. It's not about the money, right? It's about winning championships and feeling comfortable and trusting your organization. Well, ain't nothing different here. You're just putting another person in the middle of it to make a decision rather than having the awards and the all-NBA teams and blah, 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 this dictate how much money guys get because – if arbitration was in, Rudy Gobert would not be making $30-plus million. Not my organization. Nope. Wouldn't happen. Wouldn't happen. So I think that's a good way to be able to figure this out. In other news, we have Mike D'Antoni possibly interviewing, or maybe he interviewed already for the Portland Trailblazers head coaching job. Uh, You have other people in there as well. You have Dawn Staley, Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond. I like all of those candidates. Uh, The one that I'm not really too happy about is Mike D'Antoni. I I just think that he's a retread coach. I don't 
believe that he should he should be a head coach in this situation. Portland right now is in a very, very sensitive situation. They have to try to make sure that they keep their star happy with a head coach, but they also have to rebuild and repair the roster so they can be able to compete on that level. And if you bring in a Mike D'Antoni, you can forget about having a, a, a traditional conventional big. He doesn't like those. So any bigs that you have on your roster, you have to get rid of those. So there's going to be a lot of changes. And I don't think that Mike D'Antoni's change is the one that they need because he's not a coach that has NBA finals and championship experience. He can get you to a conference final, but don't expect to win. Terry Stotts got you there. You didn't win. So what's the point of having Mike D'Antoni? This is the, the situation that Portland is in. It's very, very sensitive. In my opinion, I just think Dame needs to sit down with the organization and say, listen, I need to go. I don't think that waiting out another year and see how it goes is going to work. It's time to go now. And I would love to go to these particular teams. Here's my short list. It's time, Dame. It's time. I know you want to be loyal to Portland. You've been a loyal soldier for this long. You want to see Portland win. You want to deliver a championship to the Trailblazers. But sometimes it's just not in the cards. And we don't want to see you fall on the sword. Just don't. Maybe that's his path. Maybe that's what he wants. But I just don't want to see that. I'd rather see him compete for championships. It's just my opinion. So we'll see what happens, but I can tell you, I can guarantee you this, it's going to be a very, very hot summer. And I'm not just talking about New York City lifting the COVID restrictions. Nah, I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about in the NBA, it's going to be very, very interesting. Expect a lot of movement. It's going to be a long, extended offseason. Guys are going to be able to rest. Teams are going to be able to sit down and evaluate exactly what they need. There's no rush. Oh, expect to be a big, big summer for movement. I'm telling you right now. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it because I know that my particular team, they're going to have a like a garage sale type of situation this summer. And it's needed because guys like Kyle Kuzma, Andre Drummond, Dennis Schroeder, they all can go. Marcus Gasol, all of them. I'm not gonna not, I'm not gonna get on a tangent here because I don't wanna raise my blood pressure in regards to the Lakers. But yeah, there's gonna be changes. It's gonna be a hot summer. Hot. My prediction, I predict three superstar players will get traded this offseason. Three. I don't know the three, but I expect the number to be three. That's my prediction. So let's see what happens. Coming up after the break, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week, on a Tuesday night. It's all even. This is the God Jensen Gals. Just want to give a shout out to All Even Podcast, the best sports podcast out there. Keep up the amazing work. Also, check us out at cigarjensengals.com, where everyday apparel for cigar smokers. Let's get it. What's going on? What's up with you? It's your boy, the Candyman, the ALFRE to the D. It's your boy, Alfred, from the Rap Lab Podcast. And it's the one and only True G. Just call me the QG from the Rap Lab Podcast. And you tuned in to All Even with Barry Grant. 
boy, that shit crazy. Welcome back, y'all. So without further ado, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. Dummy, yeah. We pick candidates on Tuesday and Saturday, and then we pick the winner on that Saturday show. So who is my candidate for Dummy of the Week? May I have the drum roll, please? And the winner is Stephen A. Smith, host of First Take, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show, just all-around superhero in the world of broadcasting and journalism. Stephen A. Smith is my candidate for... Dummy, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have to put out a disclaimer. Stephen A. Smith is my idol. I look up to the man. I think he's one of the pioneers and trailblazers in this industry especially for a guy that looks like me. He's a superstar. However, it's very, very, very mistaken. I always like to point out when people talk out of both sides of their mouth. And Stephen A. Smith tends to do this. Tends to say these outlandish stuff, clickbait stuff, like Kevin Durant's the best player to ever play in New York. Says that, Spider Mitchell is the best player in jazz history. All of these things that don't really bother me. It's funny, but they don't bother me. But the, you know, the thing that actually bothered me was he tweets when Anthony Davis goes down. And I'm going to read it to you verbatim. Left groin strains for AD. He will not return in game four. This is the reason I do not have the Lakers as the favorite. Durability. It's all about availability, people. That's what he said. Would you like to know what he tweeted when Kyrie Irving went down? Verbatim. Excuse me. <clears throat> June 13th, 4.11 p.m. No! Please, please, please be healthy, Kyrie Irving. He stepped on Giannis's foot and twisted his ankle. It looks bad. Prayer that he's healthy. We need to see the show that man provides in these playoffs. Interesting. So, in one breath, with an often injured superstar, availability is the issue. That's why you don't have them winning. But in another breath, for another often injured superstar, oh, no, no, we have to see the magic. Please, please, please. This is why, as much as Stephen A. Smith is my idol, I tend to not listen to him anymore because of takes like this. What happened to objective journalism? What happened to actually being consistent with what you say? What I'm seeing here is a guy that just doesn't remember the things that he says. Or maybe he just does it for clickbait. It's not going to work with me, though, because what this does is this puts you into a a bin all by yourself. And that's the dummy bin. This to me right now feels like that WrestleMania match between Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Where <laughs> Ric Flair gets up and he's looking at Shawn Michaels and he's like, come on. And Shawn Michaels is in the corner and he says, I'm sorry, I love you. And then super kicks Ric Flair's face off and wins the match and sends him into retirement. This is what I feel like I'm doing right now. Not the retirement part, but just, you know, I got I to gotta go at my guy. 
Come on, Stephen A. You got to be better than this. This is not the take to have, man. And maybe, maybe what I can blame it on is the fact that you're a Nick fan. A lot of times, Nick fans, they have this delusion of grandeur in their head where things don't really make sense, like reality and the supernatural kind of get blurred and they really don't understand what's in front of them. So maybe I will point it to that. Maybe you were just having a delusional moment. Maybe the Nick poison that's running through your veins took over. I can forgive that. I can forgive it. <laughs> but I can't forgive you rooting for Brooklyn and then doing this. I just I, I just can't do it. So we're going to find you. We're going to find you a new barber. Be able to, you know, get that hairline a little closer down now. So we can get you back to reality. We're going to get you back to reality, man. Bring you back to greatness. I, I can't see you go down this path. I can't see it. I won't. I won't allow it to happen. So Stephen A. Smith, it sucks that I have to operate like a process server and serve you this L. But you're possibly a winner for Dummy of the Week. That's all for the show. I'll see you guys on Saturday. Watch the games. Enjoy. Until then, stay safe. Stay cool. Peace. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Even Podcast. Listen to the show on Podbeam, Amazon Music, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts available. And check out my YouTube channel, All Even Podcast. And don't forget to like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work, limited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.